Trigger warning. The podcast you're about to listen to may contain sexual and violent acts committed against men, women, and children. If such acts offend you in any way, please do not listen any further. This podcast was made for an audience of 18 years and older and contains mature and explicit content. Also, this podcast may also contain a high level of profanity and explicit language. If such things offend you in any way, shape, or form, please do not listen to the podcast any further. This is your last trigger warning. If anything that I mentioned above offends you, please do not listen. Thank you. Hey, everybody. This is the Man Apart Podcast. This is going to be episode six, titled A Lady and a Commander, part two. So on the last episode, we kind of left off at the end due to time constraints. We were talking to Lady D. She was sharing her background, her life in the military, and just explaining some of the things that she had to go through and went through. And she started talking about her sexual harassment. Well, now we're going to pick up from where we left off on that after she had already reported and what happened subsequently after that, we're now going to get dive into her sexual assault. So, Lady D, I'll let you pick up from where we took off. So, the, when we took when we left off, um, I had you know just said that I had reported them and the retaliation yeah. and things. So it was it was light retaliation. Like I had gone out because I was in Florida. I fell asleep at the beach, got sunburned. It was really bad. I had blisters. So I had to wear my bathing suit under my BDUs. Yeah. I was called into an office. You could tell I was sunburned and right. I was miserable. So I was called into my sergeant major's office. Uh, no, I'm sorry, senior master sergeant. Sergeant major was in the army. And they said, we could give you an Article 15 for destruction and um, everything of government property. And I was like, wait, I haven't been driving. Or I haven't messed with. They were like, you are government property. Now, an Article 15 is part of the Uniform military, uniform Code of Military Justice, the UCMJ. Okay. And it allows for a commanding officer to decide the innocence, and this is straight from their, their definition. It uh -huh. allows for a commanding officer to decide the innocence or guilt and administer the punishment to an offender if necessary when a military member gets into trouble for a minor offense that does not require a judicial hearing. Wow. So they immediately started threatening me with that. I didn't know what. I was like, so, "Wait, what?" So after you after you reported about sexual harassment, that's when they started retaliating and targeting mm -hmm. against you. Yeah. And you had a sunburn, so you got sunburned, yeah. and because you got sunburned and you are government property, you are you destroyed government property because you had a, yeah. a sunburn. I damaged government property. What the fuck? Like right. that? That's the first thing. Now that I still my came mind. to my job. I right. was in uniform. The only thing I couldn't do was I couldn't sit down because my th back of my thighs. I was miserable in my uniform. I looked terrible. But again, I didn't go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. I didn't get put on sick call. I didn't take leave. Right. I did what I had. I still performed my. I was there on time. You were there to do your job. Yes. And you were there to prove yourself. It was. It was my. Job. It was my fault that I fell asleep. That. But I. You know. Again, you're in Florida. You fall asleep. Yeah. I didn't. You know. So I and. I, so I was just like, okay, all this stuff is starting to happen. Well, I was not, I wanted to stay in Florida because I was close to my family. Right. But at the same time, I wanted out of that unit, and I was like, I, I don't know what to do. So I started doing this thing. We had these bubble sheets for our dream sheets, which was where you wanted to be stationed next or, or go to. So I volunteered, or I, was, I was asking to volunteer for special duty assignment to be an um, attache. Which you know, like it's like a like uh, a courier. Yeah, like we talked about. Yeah, special special duty. You know, you work with somebody. You're not in your job. You're not doing your career. So you you may be carrying stuff. But I was going to be an attaché courier. Okay. And I volunteered, and I was like, well, shoot, where can I go? That would be odd. I volunteered for the one in Keflavik, Iceland. I don't know why. I just thought it would be cool to go to Iceland. Yeah. I was also twenty years twenty twenty one. Right. And I was like, okay, yeah. Well, once this happened, the orderly room called me in one day and they said, hey, can you say kimchi? And I was like, what? What is kimchi? And they were like, can you say um, 
can you say Anya Seo? And I'm like, what? And they were like, that's Korean. And I was like, so why are you telling me this? And he goes, guess who's got order to Korea? A remote tour. And I went, wait, a remote tour? What am I doing with this? I didn't, they were like, yeah, you volunteered. I said, no, I didn't. They said, yeah, we've seen the dream sheet. You've volunteered. And I went, no, I volunteered to go to Keflavec, Iceland. And they said, Keflavec, Korea, same, it starts with a K, it doesn't matter. What the fuck? That, that, yeah, I remember you telling me that too yeah. when we talked the, uh, the other day about it. I'm like, and you remember the first thing I said in my mouth was, what the fuck? I'm right. sorry I've been saying that constantly, but. You know, and, and it was it to is, the point I was devastated of... because I had sick family members. <coughs> sorry. Yeah, no, I had yeah. sick family members. I yeah. was devastated. I did not did not want to go. I had heard horror stories about Korea. It was a year remote, and if I didn't take it because I was up for my uh, first enlistment, so yeah. I had just almost finished the first four years, if I didn't take that assignment, I could not re-enlist re in the military. And continue your career. And continue. My dream was because my dad and mom were military, Yeah. I wanted to retire from the military. Right. That's the one commitment I made to myself that I was like, I'm following through. I want to do this. I cried. I was upset. Um, I found out at Easter, and that was what, March? By June, I was gone. Wow. I was given that short of a notice. I was in Korea. Now, it's, now I know you said it was a remote duty, mm -hmm. remote tour duty. Does that mean that was you were completely by yourself, no. or you worked at a base? Or, I worked. Or? So we were at bases. Remote tour is one year tour. It's a short tour. Okay. Okay. So that's where usually your family does not get to go with you. In okay. some cases, if you do two, three years, your family can go. So it's very odd that after you report a sexual harassment claim in in the offices that you're working in, yeah. Um, all of a sudden now, let's just ship Lady D off right. to Korea because. And while yeah. this happened, my master sergeant that him and the sergeant had done this, my master sergeant was offered at 19 years early retirement. Okay. Um, wow. Because um, now, like, it, it's it's hard to hear that 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 it happened because in, th in this day and age, you know, now, I mean, you go on Twitter, Facebook, so any kind of social media whatsoever, any news articles when they had these type of behaviors going on. You'll hear CEOs and other people in other positions in, in, in the business world, they they get canceled. They get yeah. uh, they don't get the ability to make any more money after right. that. And uh, people just get their lives ruined, you know, their lives uh, ruined and their careers ruined too. Now my so, twos, the two guys that did this, yeah, they admitted that they did it. Okay. They they admitted that they retaliated against you on No, the, they uh, admitted that they, that they sexually, had, they sexually, sexually harassed. harassed. And that was with the touching of you and, and, and doing, all yes, the dirty comments. Yes, we did comments. the cup checks. Yeah. We did this, we did that. Yes, she did mention that she she didn't like it. We didn't pay attention to it. Yes, we did this. Do you think in your mind with the harassment, before we go yeah. dig deep into the sexual assault stuff, uh, do you think if you hadn't said anything, would it? do you think it would have progressed even worse to where it might have led to an assault or and or rape? You never know. Right. You never know. No, I know it would have it would have ruined me because I know what the sexual assault did to me right. for not reporting it. Um, I feel guilty that I reported it because the way I looked at it, I was ruining two people's careers because I was, and this, is a, this was part of being in the military because I was selfish. I wasn't a team player. And that's what they were telling you. That's and what not so many words, yeah. yeah, yeah. So you know, all of this was going on. This was when I told my first sergeant, my senior, uh, my my chief, and all of them. It was this. Well, what did you say, or did you laugh when they did this? And I'm like, well, yeah, I laughed because it was nervousness. But you laughed. You you egged it on. So you and I was like, I, I'm sitting here with a master sergeant and. Both NCOs, a master sergeant and a box sergeant, and I'm a senior airman. I've been in four years. They've been in eight and 17. Who knows? And I'm 21, and I'm looking at a 40-year-old and a 29-year-old that are supposed to be my mentors that were training me. And, and I'm like, Okay, so this also made me start double second guessing what happened when I was on the construction team. This was why didn't I stop it then? What what am I why why did I allow this to happen? 
So that's all going through my head. Right. Why did this? And I refused because at this time also, with my clearance, if you went to mental health for anything, I went in to see, I had, I had to go in because I was having migraines. And I was told it was stress. So I was sent to stress counseling. Now, if I'd have taken it any further, I would lose my clearance and I would lose my career if I went in for mental health. And that's a whole different story. But anybody with a clearance that even now it's frowned upon. Yeah. Your career is more important than your mental health. And that leads a lot of times our mental health for our service members. Many of them have been sexually harassed, assaulted, whatever. It was nothing. Even they've gone so far now as to say, like, I had, had a guy I supervised as a graphic illustrator. We would sit for, ten, for nine hours, eight hours, whatever was going on at a computer to do slides, to do briefings, whatever we were doing. And I would walk up behind him because we were so focused, I would put my hand on his shoulder so I didn't startle him. And I'd be like, hey, are you okay? You know, do yeah. you need to take a break? They told me that was sexual harassment. Wow. So it jumped from one extreme to, to the other. Yeah. Now, if you look somebody up and down, they're, you're undressing them. Well, no, I mean, we have these things called gig lines where your shirt matches right. with your... I've heard of that, but I, I so, don't think maybe the listener... Yeah, you so got your to get, shirt matches yeah. the, 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 where your shirt buttons down. It matches with your belt buckle. It matches yeah. with uh, the fly. Yeah. Um, women have flies on their on their dress pants, everything. Right. So, you know, the it's gig about line... Symmetry. It's all about symmetry. Right. I, I, I so so I was, if your belt yeah. was off, you would say, hey, man, you got your gig line's off. Yeah. Well, now that's sexual harassment because you were looking at their junk or you were looking at a female's area. That's sexual harassment now. You can't say, it's even hard for, for you know, I can't walk up, I couldn't walk up to my sergeant in his in his blues and say, man, your, your belt, I had to say your belt buckle. Well, why were you looking at my belt buckle? Wow. I got accused of sexual harassment too after this okay. by those two people. Now we had pilots that would come in and work and they had on their, their flight suits. Right. I love flight suits, I think they're great. I, it was funny to me. It was odd because they had two zippers. Yeah. You know, and it was just, I was like, those look like great pajamas. They're onesies. This is awesome. So they would be working in, in our office. Doing, we had mat cutting. So you'd cut mats for pictures and things like that. We did a lot of that for the retirements. Okay. So they were in there doing that. And sometimes I, I would be standing back and I, I, I was eating a lot of sunflower seeds at the time. And I was shooting them, in, shooting the shells into, which was really gross for anybody, let alone a female. Yeah. Um, because we couldn't smoke inside, and at the time so I was just smoking. So you just spit them in a cup or something? I didn't want to go outside. It was so, I started smoking because that was the only break you could get. Yeah, I think a lot of people um, in a lot of industries you know, so know that. So yeah, yeah, we could sit and have our drinks, and our sodas, and our snacks with us, sitting at our desk, and right. especially at our drafting tables. So we had that. Well, you couldn't go outside. So, unless you smoked. Yeah. So that's why I started smoking. And here I was trying to quit smoking. I'm doing, so I have a big, big cheek full of sunflower seeds. Yeah, so okay. I look like I'm dipping. And I'm standing back there shooting them. Well, I'm thinking of something else, but I'm looking as this, as it's this pilot. And this was so, this is why it sticks out because this is right after that. Um, this pilot, and I just, you know, your eyes wander. And right, he yeah. was bent over, and, and I may have been, I, I think I was watching him cut because of right. the of the mat cutting stuff you could slice your finger off right. but i was watching what he was doing because i had just trained him but my eyes were wandering because i was probably deep in la, in la, la, yeah, i yeah, was yeah. i was not there that day i mean i know it and after he left they walked up and they said you know you were staring at his butt and i was like wait what they were like we watched you for 5 minutes staring at his butt they don't know where i was staring but they said that and they said that's sexual harassment and they were damned and determined to make sure you you uh, paid the consequences for them. That was their way of saying we can turn you in. Yeah, yeah. So did so, they? No, no. But I was I was mortified. I was so, so mortified that now a lot of times you have um, you just have things. You know, you're in units. You hang with people, different people. You're bound and determined to end up hanging with senior NCOs when you're enlisted. You're bound and determined to hang with some of the lieutenants because there was a lot of parties, there was a lot of family, you hung with different people. 
But I was so mortified over that, that I confined myself basically, not even going to my friend's house that were senior NZOs. Yeah. I was like, I, I, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I was harassing and staring at this guy's butt. Right. So all of a sudden I'm like, well, am I a sexual harasser? Because that's how much it affected me. So pretty much they were kind of gaslighting you. Yeah, yeah. And trying to manipulate you. And and, pos and the fact that they didn't even turn it in, my speculation would be is that they were going to use it as leverage over you for something well, else later on. Well, possibly. Now, at this time, this my master sergeant was offered immediate retirement as soon as he hit his 20. Now, usually it takes that year 20. It takes a while to process the paperwork. Right. He. They streamlined it. They streamlined it. Yeah. The sergeant hit high your tenure, which means if you're not promoted by the by your tenures at that time they were offering, it was it was force reduction. So he was getting paid fifteen, seventeen thousand to get out. Yeah. Nine and a half years, they were like, you know, you want to go ahead and take that because you're not going to get promoted. You already know you're not going to get promoted. You want to just take the seventeen thousand and leave early? Wow. While this happened, I went to Korea. So that all happened right after I went to Korea. Alright. So tell me tell me what um because I know when you when they told you you were going to Korea, you were horrified. I was, yeah. Um, what was it like in Korea? Were you in Were you Were you at the demilitarized zone no, in Korea, or no, were no. you in so South at South Korea? I was in South Korea. Okay. Demilitarized zone is all men because right. of the situation. Because we are still at war with Korea. Right, we are. I, I, I know the DMZ yeah. over there is still active. Very um, active. And so, what, so what was the What was it like going to Korea then? Okay, so I, I ended up in, because of my clearance. I ended up in an intel unit doing the graphics, doing a lot of stuff that was not just with the graphics. Yeah. There were a lot of things I saw, I learned because I'm an intuitive person. I wanted right. to learn where I worked. Right. And what they, that's how come like I went in this secured area, this building inside of a a mountain or it was called the hill because it wasn't a mountain. To me, you know, here we are in South Louisiana. Right, where there's that no mountains at all. That thing's 40 feet up. That's a mountain to me. Right, yeah. You know, I'm like. I mean, I mean hell, over in, because we're in the Baton Rouge area, over in Walker at the, uh, at the landfill over there. That to me was a mountain the first time right. I saw that those hills of garbage and everything like yeah, that. Yeah, I'm like, I mean, this, that, that's, that's a mountain a, to me. I was like, that's a mountain because yeah. I had to climb the hill, which was a, probably a 45 degree angle up, and then we had to yeah. get inside. So, you know, I would go around and I knew friends in different areas, and I would go sit in these skiffs inside of these buildings. Right. And they couldn't tell me what they were doing, but I could see, I'm like, that's a satellite picture of, and I'd be like, and they're like, don't even. And I was like, okay. Yeah. You know, so there were things I did, like I, I had memorized the North Korean bases right against the border because we couldn't have them on the computer. But when we had things, they would come in and they'd be like, Airman so-and-so, we need you to mark this base, yeah. that North Korean base, and show what, so that we can, because they would give a briefing in it. So I knew I had it in my head. Yeah. I had memorized them. So they would come in, boom. Now, this was the first time and the only time I had a female supervisor. Wow. She talked to me, and I was there just for a year. So, you know, the, we got there, she got there one month before me. Um, and her husband was an officer stationed at another base, so she was going to be there. So they were, he was at Pusan or Pusan. So she got there, they were going to be there for two years. Yeah. Within three months, she's like, tell me what's wrong with you. And, she's, and I said, what do you mean? She says, every time one of the officers walk in here and they say, you need to do this, and they're in a rush, you freeze. What is going on with you? And I was drinking heavily too. Yeah. Um, and she says, you know, you come in here and you do your work. You reek of alcohol, but you do your work and you're good at it. But what is wrong with you? And that's when I started. She says, so tell me about your career. And when I brought up that, she's like, that is what's wrong. They have beaten you down so far that now you feel this was all your fault. Now she did not have to do that. Right. She was a very Christian lady. Um, putting up with me cussing and yeah. drinking was totally against what she believed in. I mean, we lived in the same dormitories because we were remote. So there was nothing for her to see me. She would walk out to do laundry on a Friday night at, or Saturday night at three in the morning. And I'm just crawling up the, up the hallway dead yeah. drunk with my friends giggling and she's just like huh after a night of whiskey and vodka and whatever other so or, or sake or whatever they yeah, had so over there yeah. and beer my big yeah. thing was the beer and i yeah. would just get annihilated it was nothing for me to drink a case by myself wow right so you know 
and then every once in a while you do soju and that was a whole nother story that any service member could tell you that wipes your brain you know that's the reason people get demoted so fast is over oh, soju okay um i have some the asian market here if you want to try it the asian supermarket at florida and and it, it, sherwood has soju but i'm telling you you I'm, sip I'm it think, like sake uh well i i i'm never i'm not as refined as you are i've uh the the most uh anything close to soju is what you call it yeah. um that sounds like moonshine to me uh well uh, this makes sake look like water okay wow. now i've had moonshine uh, too yeah I mean, I, I mean, I have real smoother. moonshine. I, I, I'm not talking about that moonshine they sell on the shelves. No, no, no. In, in, yeah, in, in, I had the, the real supermarket. stuff from Kentucky. No, yeah, like, yeah. I, like, well, I, I didn't have mine from Kentucky. I had some guys who had some stills in the backwoods. Right, and that and, my, and the backwoods my, in the pits, Louisiana, my, you know? Yeah, so yeah. my, one of my friends in the Air Force, his uncle, Brandon, had one in the wood, backwoods yeah. of Kentucky. And I tried it, and I was like, this hurts. This is yeah. this bites. Soju, oh, yeah. and it, now they have it in flavors, but the original soju you could put in water and not smell it or taste it. Wow. So it would be popped in your beer, whatever. Oh. So this, this Asian supermarket, you can get the flavors. Now, if you do it, you need to sip it like sake. You don't right. shoot it, and you do it, it and walk around it comes and you fast. drink water. Yeah. It will make you lose your memory, your bodily functions. I have seen somebody sitting in the street puking and peeing and pooping. No, that's okay. You know, I, I've, I've had enough fun times on Bourbon Street doing stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so and, this, and my wife will now tell this you that. happened, I saw this guy on a Friday night. Yeah. Tuesday afternoon, I saw him and he was still drunk. And he, when I saw what him, nobody knew, he didn't have his ID on him. Nobody knew his name. I knew what dorm he lived in, but yeah. I didn't. I said, I don't know his name except his first name. You know, we've partied at some of these bars together downtown. He lives in that dorm, just wow. getting to that dorm. And that was it. So this is how bad it was. A lot of times we did this. Yeah. She, my supervisor brought up, and her nickname was MG. Okay. So MG brought up, you've been torn down. This is what's happening. You freak out every time they come in here. And we were in a little cubby hole. She's like, so, you know, she's like, look, we got to talk about this. And that whole day we had the door closed, and I bawled. Yeah. And I bawled, and I said, this is my fault. I ruined her career. She says, no, these are adult men. You were basically a baby in this. Yeah. Because you know, you're looking at your career. You may be an adult, but oh my God, we had 29 year old men that were stationed at the DMZ had never dealt with that come in and they did not understand. They were like, we just got shot at. We're in peace. They, you know, you had things that happened. Those type of traumatic experiences, yes. yeah. and you're like, am I going to get killed up here? We were told where I was that in 30 seconds, if North Korea launched a missile, we would be dead. And if we got attacked and they breached our place, I was told by my own officers over me that were not my commanding officers, but officers I worked with, they said, you know, you've never been trained to deal with enemy POW camp. We would shoot you ourselves wow. because of what you've seen. Now these are people that I partied with downtown. Yeah. I was trauma I was like, oh my and at this time we were having the problem with the grandfather uh being crazy. This was right when the North Korean grandfather uh, not, Kim Jong Kim Jong's grandfather. Yeah, Kim Jong I think it was so Un is the is the current one, I think. And then Kim Il, Jong un, and Kim Il, Il and then, and then Kim, than the yeah, other yeah, right. Yeah, and one. so yeah. right at that time everything was getting tense. Right. And and we knew that, you know, oh God, this is he's getting crazier. The, yeah. the things that were happening, we had the joke, well the North Koreans, all Koreans like the golf and they always love when you have whiskey. So at Christmas, you know, giving away bottles of Jack Daniels to your yeah. Korean friends or your or your Ajima that cleaned your, your dorm. What's an Ajima? Okay. She just a, it's a term and a term like of a endearment for an older lady, Ajima. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. It's it's like it's a term of of an endearment okay um, yeah so you know like a matron yeah like oh. a matron okay. so you would give them a bottle of jack daniels or something they were happy because then they would they would take it home and either they would all drink it or they would sell it for like 45 bucks wow or, yeah because well, i mean now it's like that's almost the price of a bottle of jack daniels down right here now, and it, but back but, that's back in then, the 90s that was in yeah. the 90s yeah class where, six i could get because it was it was duty-free tax-free everything i could get Gotta a love, large got, bottle. Gotta love the like, PX store. Right. 10, 15 bucks. God. Right? Yeah. So we would do this, and um, our joke was well, if the North Koreans ever attack, we're going to go sit on the golf course where we're safe. 
because yeah. they like golfing, and we're going to take like, and so we always kept Jack Daniels on us, right? You right. know, or beer so or something. I, we're so like, I get that, yeah. So I get that, uh, right? So we would though. sit down. We were yeah. like, we'll just take a case of blood out there and, and drink with them. We'll be safe, right? So that was a joke, and to be told, you know, well, we'll shoot you ourselves by the people that are asking you to work with them. Yeah, that's a scary thought. I was thought. like, I was like, I told my, I told MG, I said, you know, we got this little closet office. And our chemical gear was shut, was under one of the under the floating tiles. We had to keep chemical gear there, yeah. and we had to keep it at home. So we had two sets, because when something happened, you didn't have time if they did this. So you know, this was a war situation. Still, right. the t it was tense. It's not as tense as it is now, not by far. But for somebody that was that came in during the Cold War, saw the wall fall, thought we were at peace. And to be told, and just went through Desert Shield, Desert Storm. Right. And that was the closest. It was a hundred-hour war. This is that's the kind of war we want. This is it was easy, easy peasy. Hardly anybody got killed. Blah 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 blah. Woohoo! It's a fairy tale war. That's what I had in my mind. Right. We're good. And then I go to this, and I'm like, oh shit, this is real. I was yeah. leaving in. June of 94 from there. In April, May of 94, I was told you may have to stay longer because things have just tensed up. I was like, the hell I am. I'd already had a massive family emergency, had been sent home for a month, came back, thought I drank a lot before. This time I would leave from work at 4.30, go home, take a power nap to 6.30, get up, go eat dinner at the NCO club. Then go party till three in the morning. Come home, take a shower, take a power nap, go back to work. I had an hour lunch. I would walk home, take a power nap, get up and come back. God, I sound, just hearing that makes me sound tired now. That was, that was. Wow. It, and it got worse when I came back. I came back in March. So March, April, May, this was going on. They were said, you're not leaving in June. I was like, I'm bound and determined to leave either on a stretcher, in a coffin, right. or on a plane. There was no way I was staying anymore. So things over there even happened. We had people that cheated on their wives and husbands. Yeah. That was, I mean, you just didn't know what was going on. People became promiscuous, whatever the deal was. You, you had your roommate who was not a lesbian, but because she was there and lonely, she now, the people she hung with, she... Became a lesbian, yeah. Right. during, But I'm not a lesbian. I'm just here during this time. That's just kind of like how guys that go to jail, they're, they're gay for the stay type situation. Right. Yeah, I got you. I got so you. I left there and got stationed up uh, at my next base where right. I finished. I did my last. So I re-enlisted at my base in Florida. Um, I re-enlisted then again at my third base or fourth base. So, yeah. So my fourth base, I enlisted for my last. So I enlisted for my last two years. Wow. Um, I had gotten, not distraught, but because of my family situation, of people needing me, of things that were happening, I decided I was going to take the higher tenure and get out. Take the 17000 get out. Right. Um, I wasn't happy with my job anymore. I was told that I had to be promoted to staff sergeant to change jobs. But if I got promoted, I was going on another remote, probably to the Azores. What's the Ace Horse? It's a small island about the size of Puerto Rico that is hit by hurricanes all the time. That does not sound fun at all. It doesn't. And I was like, you know, I don't want to do Korea either. Um, so, so this whole thing, it was, so I took the higher tenure. Yeah. I took the 17000 but I was like, you know, I don't want to get out. I don't want, I had other things going on. This is not what I want. Okay, so I re-enlisted for my last time, did the 17,000 to me. I was like, I'm not done. Right. I ended up, which I thought I would never do, was join the Army Reserves because I wanted to join the Air Force Reserves because I didn't like, I didn't even want to join the Reserves, but I had wanted out. I was not happy. They were changing. We were going to the new dress blues that made us look like we were Delta Airline pilots. The core system was terrible. The rating system was now a total dismantle of you're either airman of the year or you're a shit airman. Right. Those were your only two. 
basics. And it was like, even if you had a rating, so they rated us one to five. Five right. was great airman of the year. One was, you suck. Even a three was considered detrimental career. Okay. So my rating, I couldn't get it to a four, which is what, so at a three, I was considered done with anyway. Right. Now, now a three should be, you just show up for work at 7.30, you get off at 4.30, you take your hour lunch, your uniform is in, in standards, your weight is in standards, your hair is in standards, you do what you do and you're done. You know, right. you just do your job. I was showing up at 6.30 in the morning. I was getting done 6, 7 at night. My uniform was heavy starched. My BDUs, which should have never been starched, were heavy starched. Right. My boots were always shined. My weight limit was like 160 and I was weighing 125. So there was no yeah. way. So there was nothing. I wasn't even drinking, you know, doing anything like that. I was volunteering for extra duty and I got a three. Wow. So I was done. I was done with the military. I was like, I don't need this anymore. At that time, I didn't realize. I had just found out that my mom had gotten out at 19 years in the military under a medical, because she lost it because of the sexual harassment from her exo. Yeah. It was so bad that her, so at her 19 years, she lost it and had a mental breakdown. Right. Her first two years out, she doesn't remember. <coughs> Sorry about that. No, no problem. So she yeah. doesn't remember that. So there is taking that on top of what I knew had happened to me. Yeah. I was like, so is this a family trait that maybe, maybe we deserve it? Maybe we did this to ourselves. It was very similar, and that, right? Yeah, and and it, it was and, like, and, and what? Didn't make anybody think that? Right. So I was like, did I cause all of that? So I joined the army. I had to pay back the seventeen thousand, but it was to me it was a no, it was an interest free loan, right? Right. So eventually I ended up paying it back. Well, I was stationed with a unit out of Shreveport, but I drilled down here. Okay. So when no, actually I was yeah yeah that's how it went. So I um, so then I moved down here to take over my mom's house because my mom was wanted to go go travel around the country, yeah. and so she was free doing her thing. So I stayed here and did my reserve duty and everything. So I did my first six years. I didn't realize my recruiter, my army reserve recruiter had tried to recruit me and almost had me at high school. And he didn't tell me till after I joined and, and raised my hand with the army reserves, which by the way, while I was saying my oath of enlistment, yeah. I was shaking my head, no, I shouldn't be doing this. But I had a commitment to myself. Right. And that I'm glad I did it and continued, but that self-doubt should never, ever be there because what you're signing up to do is you're signing that blank check yeah. up to your life to defend people that you don't always agree with. Right. You're not happy with the way they're going and you don't always ab agree with your commander in chief, the president, right. but you don't have that choice anymore. Your choice is when you're in uniform, you, you can't orders, speak yeah. out. Well, even when you're not in uniform, you have to take, if they call you in, you're in, yeah. you know, you're recalled. It's not that simple. So here I was saying, I'm committing myself to this. I knew from Desert Shield, Desert Storm, we sent a lot of reservists to war that were not prepared. Right. Our active duty stayed behind in a lot of cases. So here I am looking at this. I'm like, what am I doing to myself? Why am I doing this? I just joined the army. I don't even know my job. My job is going to put me this is frontline duty now because I'm in transportation. What am I, what am I doing? How am I doing this? Wait, I've got to go stay in a tent. I was in the air force. I lived in hotels. Now I've yeah. got to use a tent in the middle of the desert with porta potties with 4,000 other people. And there's only four porta potties in the desert. Yeah. Am I kidding myself? I was like, I just went from hotel life, private Benjamin style, yeah. basically into GI Jane. And I was like, this cultural shock alone right. was unbelievable. So I was in a unit here. Okay. And we went through different, you know, we went through different people because they retired and the way you made rank a lot of times was you went to a different unit because there was an opening in that rank. So when I signed up with the recruiter, he laughed and I said, What did you just laugh at? He goes, I just got you. He says, 
I tried to get you to join when you were 18 at your high school and you turned me down and laughed at me and said you wasn't stupid enough to do that. <laughs> he says, guess who's stupid now? Did you read your contract? I said, well, yeah, I signed up for four years. He's like, I got you for six. What the fuck? So I was like, you did what? He's like, yes. And from that point on, I read every damn, I may not understand the contracts, but I'm reading them and I'm like, what does this mean? Wait, what is that? Why am I putting my initial there? Tell me in layman terms what that means now. Right. And I was like, son of a bitch. And I was like, you're a dick. He's like, tell your mama signed you. And I was like, oh, shit. Why would you remember me out of 5,000, 10,000 people? It was because of my last name and because of my mom being up there and working with him because she, yeah. she had been in the Army Reserve. Gotcha. So he remembered me, and I was like, this is Which utterly ridiculous. Probably wasn't a great thing either. It was, you. Yeah. yeah, no, and I was like, this is vindictive, but I was, okay, whatever. Yeah. So down here, you know, we went through people. I got my last master sergeant in the Army Reserves. He was our superintendent. He was basically our detachment commander. Even though he was enlisted, it was kind of the yeah. way they did it. What, what, what was your job in the reserves? Transportation. Like you were a truck driver? No. So there's different parts of transportation. Right. So I was a transportation crew coordinator I was an 88 November truck drivers are 88 mics okay um, but I had to so as a coordinator I'm the one that would would make sure the trucks or the stuff got on the airplanes on the rail carts dispatch okay, but yeah, I was yeah, there okay. physically yeah, yeah, dispatching yeah. I got so you. I had you know so you had the stuff well because of that I decided I I couldn't just be because of the tents I was like I I can't do this for another four, five, six years. I yeah. was like, this is ridiculous. So they were like, well, you know, if you become an instructor, you live in a hotel. Boom. I was like, I can do this now. Oh, wow. And I did. Well, I was also in another all-male unit. I got you. You don't have females. To... In the units, it was harder. In the Army Reserves, you either had a plethora of females or in like this one, because of us being a detachment, it was me and five other men. Wow. Again, me and five men. We only saw each other one weekend a month. Most of them were really good, didn't have any problems. We would do, you know, we were there for the weekend. We came in, did our duty every day and left. Sometimes we had summer AT here where we would teach a class. So we were there every day. So we, it wasn't any big deal. We would do our stuff. Nobody wanted to be there after 4.30. We were gone. We went our separate ways. Yeah. We didn't care. Well, my superintendent, my supervisor, master sergeant, and I had traveled to Shreveport a couple times together in the vehicle. There was no problems, nothing like that. But I thought he was very nice. And it was one of those, okay, he's single, I'm single. Nothing ever happened. Right. But, Every, you know, it was just one of these things. We ate lunch together, not just at drill, because there were things that I had to learn to get promoted in my job. I had been promoted to sergeant. Um, they had made me a corporal, which was very odd because corporals only used in certain areas. But because I had to teach, I had to have a semi-NCO status. So they had turned me to a corporal, which was still E4. Right. Then I was promoted to E5 conditionally. I became an NCO. Because that was the only way I could be on the podium was to teach to be an NCO. Gotcha. Um, I did not go through at the time, which was P PDLC, which was leadership school. I had done it in the Air Force, but it was different in the Army because I had to go out into um, reading maps. And I sucked at reading maps. I mean, if it was upside down, I, the only way I knew it was right side up was the little label on the bottom right side. What would you do in the war zone? Go, go stop at a gas station and ask for directions? I probably would have, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, no, it was, I had no, to put that joke in I there. didn't yeah. even know how to use a damn compass, okay? Right, That's I how I would have, and it, the joke was, which was probably true, I would, if I had to use a compass in, in the porta potty I would have still been lost. Wow, okay. Because I wasn't trained right, I didn't understand, and that was the thing, is as a reservist, I wasn't trained right. And, I, and I, again, they, they, they push you through, they teach you enough to get you... They teach you enough to, for you to survive, yeah. not to. So that's why when you go to bases, you have supervisors and training officers and training people to get you up to par. Right. To specialize, so, to specialize, to specialize your training. You, you, yeah. yeah. So now I had this. So all the guys that were teaching were 88 mics. This this superintendent was an 88 November. So he had to train me. 
Right. So I was doing the, the risk assessments. I was doing all the paperwork. I was the admin, basically, because I could get it all done. I knew how to do it. Um, so many times after we would let the other guys go early, I would end up having to write the reports or whatever. So me and this, this superintendent were there a lot of times. Well, a couple times there were things that he would do, like he would walk in and I'd be typing and he'd walk up behind me. I had off my, my BDU jacket. Right. And so I just had on my, the my regular shirt. Green, yeah, the, greens or whatever. My, yeah. my, brown, my shirt. brown shirt. Yeah, yeah. He walked up behind me. He grabbed my shirt, pulled it back and said, oh, I like that bra you're wearing. What the fuck? I was Excuse like, me? yeah, okay. because of everything that had happened before, I was like, <laughs> right, you know, and he would do that. He did things like that, or he'd flick my ponytail or whatever. And he'd be like, you know, I like you in your BDU pants because you fill them out with your butt so well. What the fuck? Now, again, remember the retaliation I had. Right. So you're, so you're already having to, you're already reliving another this harassment, is, this was another, my, another division of the military. This was in my 17th, 18th year. Wow. I'd already been tried, they tried, they were trying to medically discharge me early. This happens to a lot of females. They try to medically discharge you at 18 and 19 years because that way you don't get your full retirement check. You're stuck at a certain retirement. Right. Medical. So when other things that happen, you don't get the full retirement. Right. So I, I had had some issues, some medical issues that they were trying to medically retire me on. I had already been uh, uh, stopped from deploying to Fallujah and somewhere else because of my medical with the VA. And the unit was covering for me per se okay. because I, I had begged my commander. I said, all I want to do is retire. My mom didn't get to retire. My dad retired. This is all I've wanted to do. Please let me retire. And he's like, you know, okay. We'll, we'll hold on to your your folder, but please tell me at 20 years you're going to retire. I was like, absolutely, I'm going yeah, to gone. retire. I'm yeah. gone. I'm out of here. This was my 18th year. This stuff started happening. And I'm like, you know, if I report this, I'm going to, not only is this man who just got married, he had been single, just got married, not only am I going to screw his career, which he is going for his 30 years because he was at 24, 25 right. years in, I'm messing with his job. He also has a federal job as a civilian. This is going to mess with his job. His new family, which kids were brought into it, and he, his wife was pregnant. Oh, wow. So I'm looking at that. I'm looking at me, my, my career. I'm like, what? I'm not stopped. What is going on? Well, we had gone on one of our trips to our unit, came back. He had brought me back. Him and my mom and I were standing in the hallway talking. He says, well, I got to go. He reached over and gave me a hug. He hugged me. Uh -huh. He walked out and mom goes, he's got a crush on you. And I was like, no, we just, we just had a, a six hour drive, two different ways. We were almost in a wreck because a truck pulled out in front of us and we literally almost flipped his truck. Right. I was like, no, 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 no. We just, you know, she's like, no, he's got a crush on you. That's when everything started. He started pulling the shirt. He would make those comments. He's like, just in. It's things that he did with nobody else there. And just progressing. It progressed to one point at right at my 19th, somewhere in my 19th year. We were in the, the school, do, just finished the training. Everybody else had left. I'd finished the paperwork. I was walking out. I said, I'll see you later. I'll see you next drill weekend. So, you know, Sergeant so and Master Sergeant so-and-so, I'll see you. And he says, he says, Sergeant such and such, come back in here. You've left something. I was like, whatever. So I walk back to the door, and his pants are down. His whitey tidies are on. What the hell? And I just giggled. I said, man, I don't need to see that. And what? I walked out, and I was like, holy shit, holy fuck, what is this? This, what the fuck just happened? Right. And I'm like, what do I do? What the fuck do I do at this point? Because previous experience taught you that if you go and report it now and everything like that, it's just going to make your life it's, a living I'm hell. I'm going to ruin his. I'm not going to get to retire. I'm yeah. ruining. My so thought was not. Yeah. My thought wasn't. I'm not going to. My thought split second. I won't get to retire. My thought was because of everything that had happened up until then. I'm ruining his career. That's still another thinking about, person. I'm still thinking about them. I had just. I had yourself. ruined. Yeah. 15 years earlier, I had ruined two other people's career is the way it was made to you. Yeah, gaslit to you. Yeah. So I'm about to ruin this man's military and his federal job. This is the way I looked at it. I had a federal job with FEMA. 
I knew because of Hurricane Katrina, I knew I would lose my federal job. I knew it would get back and I would lose it. Right. Now it was a temporary position, but again, I was getting paid good. Right, yeah. You know. Yeah. So at this time, my retirement paperwork in February of it was it was like February 1st of 2009. Now, granted, most of the time in the reserves when you say I'm going to go ahead and retire, it takes a year or more for the paperwork to go through. Right. July 1st, I retired. Wow. I had my retirement certificate in my hand. So we're looking at middle, maybe it was the middle of February. So we're looking at March, April, May, June, five months, five months. They had my paperwork sent up to command back down here and I was retiring. I was, I was like, wow, okay, I'm done. This is all going to be behind me. I go to my retirement, my little retirement ceremony. I hate going away. I hate retirement ceremonies. My mom was there. They were all there. Before everybody got in there, he's like, look, we're setting this up. What did it, my mom was showing up later. And so, you know, he's like, come in 30 minutes early so we can set everything up. The other guy that is retiring will be coming in too. He wasn't. Right. Um, so we can walk through what you're going to do. Well, as I'm starting to walk out to do something to go meet my mom, he swings me around and he plants a kiss on me. Mouth to mouth, tongue in my mouth. What the fuck? I was so devastated that it kept, and I'm like, and I pulled away and I made a joke. And I left and I'm like, what a way to end your, end your career. You just, and this, the grabbing of looking down my shirt. Now the talking about my butt was sexual harassment. Opening my shirt was considered a sexual assault. Right. Not once, but four or five times. The kissing right. was considered sexual assault. Now I was never raped. I'm I'm glad of that. Right. But it was still sexual assault. And it still took a toll on you, though. Oh, it this has was unwanted. Still. This is I mean, this no, was... no, no. I don't want any listeners to get it twisted or confused. Confused that this was unwanted. This was unwelcomed contact by somebody else, and they nobody in this world has any right to touch somebody else, especially if it's unwanted, un, uninvited any kind you know we're all free people we're all people or for, at least in america we're free people and we should be able to respect one another and we should be able to tell somebody do not touch me do not make me feel this way you know as far as you know when it's something of this nature and not not have to worry about like the worries you had which is feeling you know oh shit i might not be able to retire now my mm -hmm. dream of being able to serve in the military for this prestigious career and then, you know, retire like, like I always wanted to. And then, you know, you you even going as far as to thinking about the other people who are, who are they're responsible for their own actions. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're like, man, I'm about to ruin other people's lives. It's like, for instance, the guy's wife, yeah. the children. I mean, because it's not just his actions that they're going to ruin And that's him. the thing it's that's, the other, it's that's everybody else around it. It's when, a shame. When you do this, and it's even done it in civilian world, yeah, you're taught. And so my first thought when all this happened is I'm going back, where did I go wrong? Did I, did I let him think that I was interested in him? Should I have ever hugged him goodbye? Should I have been in the vehicle with him? Where did I go wrong? Where, where did I screw up? Ultimately, you didn't go wrong anywhere as far as people need to know. They need to keep their hands to them. To, right. I mean, like, like this is my mindset in this how I grew up, you know, keep your fucking hands to yourself. Absolutely. And, 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 and I don't think anybody can disagree with what we just heard, you know, said, what you just told us. People say, well, you should have spoke up. You should have said no. No means no. No means no, but at the same time, things happen fast yeah. and you're embarrassed. And, and especially if they're in a, in a position of power, you don't, you don't get if you call it wrong, you've ruined their career. If you called it right, you've ruined their career. And you put a target on your back. Both Either times. way. Either way. Either way. Either way and that's just like, I mean, this is this is no different. And this is a parallel to how, how you know, and I've talked about in other episodes, uh, police officers, you know. Yeah. Um, it's hard for good cops to call out bad cops because it is, this This is like this certain, it's the same thing. I mean, hell, we're, we're going through high-profile cases now in Baton Rouge that are uh, of a clear example of that. Exactly. And so, I mean, it, it's, this is, this is a, this is an issue of, 
you know, people in power who are going to abuse that power. And right. how do you fight all that? And right? he may not have also, at one point he did know he was abusing the power. Yeah. He was also misconstruing my kindness. Right. And respect for authority. Right. Um, now this has happened where females have done this to men too, okay? Yeah. Females have done this to to, to, Yo, to women. There was one story you told me about a female, uh, off, I think it was a female officer? It was a female pilot okay. who forced her flight crew, a couple of the members, to have sex with her so that they wouldn't get bad ratings. Which is that one through five ratings and yeah. everything like that. Yeah. So they can, so they can so continue, this, they can yes. keep their careers. Yes. And I, I remember I'll tell you, like, I, the first thing I asked you was like, well, is this, is this, I know it sounds chauvinistic when I said it though, but it was, it would make, it, it was the only thing in my mind that would make sense, right? That somebody would, that a woman would want to do this to another man, to a man, and everything was like, well, is she ugly? Is she undateable? No, she was very. very showed pictures. So, she so, was beautiful. So woman. then, my next thought when you told me that it's was, a power, it's, it's a, a power trip. Yeah, it's yeah, a power, it's a power thing. trip. Yeah. And you know, and so I've seen, I've read where there was, a, right after they were allowed to to say that they were gay, this gay marine told his gay first, his his not his gay first sergeant, but his first sergeant that he was gay. He's like, you know, we're deploying. I I want you to know. This first sergeant for, I don't know how long, would rape him, sodomize him. Male first sergeant did this. This Marine ended up getting out and living in his car because he was suicidal. Now, when this all happened to me and I got out, I was going to the VA. I was, you know, I, I, I was like, we're strong. We don't need to ask for help. We right. don't need it. We're, we're. It's beaten you know, into our mentality. It's you, know be, you don't ask for help. Yeah. I had issues and finally one female doctor sat down with me and she says do you know you suffer from MST I know I suffer from PTSD what's MST MST is military sexual trauma okay and I said yeah but I was never raped there's no way they said no were you sexually harassed I was like yeah yes and so I talked to them with it and I had a total revelation and I'm like I did this and they were like you did not do this right and I'm like, I am weak because I'm in here. You are not weak. You're talking. You're a survivor. And I was, you know, this wasn't until 2010, 11, yeah. something like that. Now, not I'd that already far been off. Out, not that far off. Yeah. I didn't, my mom did not even know about this until five years ago. Wow. My friends did not know about this till five years ago. I, and I've been knowing you, and I'm not obviously I'm calling you Lady D and everything, but I do know you. Yeah. And I kind of remember a post about it, but I don't. But I have two military ladies that I, that post a lot in my timeline, yeah. and so that's why when I want to call you the other day. I was like, "Were you the one that talked about this yeah. and everything?" And you were like, "Yeah." I was like, "Well, you, you know. we, you know, and I'm a, I am one of these big advocates, but it's also hard because I'm like, well. I wasn't raped, so it's not, my issues aren't as big as others. Now, right. with that being said, I've talked to female veterans that have been gang raped. Yeah. The thing that happened to them was one was in a situation where she was going to work, something like that, and she went past a group in that unit, I don't know if it's Air Force or Army or Marines or Navy, the guy said, hey, how you doing? Good morning. She cordial, hey, what are you right. doing? And then they called her over at the dorms or whatever she was walking past. They brought her in a room and they gang raped her. The first thing when she reported it to her command was, well, what were you wearing? Why did you talk to them? Did you instigate this? Did you make the first contact with them? Why did you walk over to them? And you see, like, like my listeners, you're not looking at my facial expressions, obviously, and everything, but I'm just shaking my head. And I'm, again, like many times in, the, in this episode, in, the, in, this, in this interview, what the fuck? Like so many regular people are doing. Now, but I know. Um, I want to say this too. Right. There are women and men that falsely accuse. There are. Okay. So you have to look at that too. But at no time, it doesn't matter if they're a prostitute, it doesn't matter if they were passed out dead drunk. Rape is rape. Right. It doesn't matter at any point. The problem is, is if I say, if, if I'm at a bar and somebody grabs my hand and I'm like, don't do that. Well, I just bought you a drink. Well, here's Don't your do fucking that. Drink. Well, here's your fucking drink bag. Right, right. The other thing is, is I have personal space. Don't get up in my personal space. And yeah. I'm very adamant about that now. 
I am not the person. If you, if I don't initiate, I will hug. Like I hugged. Yeah, we walked up. You we hugged me. Up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I but do you've that known a lot. me for a while right. too. Though, I know. We're right. Friends. And that's the thing. I will do that in the jobs that I hold now. I shake hands when I first meet them. Yeah. But it is I, nothing because it's a I remember southern that. thing. I remember that about you. I think the first time I did meet you in person, you shook my hand. Right. But that is so, also a southern thing. Right. It's also a southern thing to say honey and sweetie and babe. It is. And, and, and even, I, even I'm guilty of that as well. So I, I, there's I, this know. whole thing. But it's also like my friends didn't know. And I'm like, you know, we're at parties and, my, and some of my friends who didn't know and my best friend did know. She, these people were joking about stuff. And I'm like... She's like, why did you stop coming over? And I said, I can't handle that. My PT, my MST is leading to my PTSD. And I can't, and I still have issues now with it. Sometimes I have triggers. Yeah. Now, I, this helps me. Right. This helps other people. Because we want to bring awareness to but the situation. But it's, yeah. it's still very triggering to come up here. I didn't sleep last night. Yeah. Well, okay, this was, but it wasn't against my own will. It was because it played in my head. Um, it wasn't consciously playing, but I know what was happening. Yeah. I've had my panic attacks where I've ended up balled up in a, in a fetal position on the floor with a blanket over me crying for three days because I was in a veteran group and we were talking about something. I think we were talking about abortion from rape. Yeah. And the guy said, well, if you didn't open your legs. Right. That's, and that's not something you want to tell. Uh, anybody for that matter because it's but it was it's some, it's some, I know I know yeah, yeah and it's this still was, blaming so this was so, you know and, and that put me right. three days into it and so it was a, and it was a veteran that did it to me so before we stop yeah. you know, hit the stop button obviously because we're getting close to that time frame um, what would be a message you'd want to tell uh, any not, not just young ladies going, to milita going into military but men as well anybody you know the message I want to say is, is you're not weak when if you ask for help um, it is a good thing to ask for help and it's not weak and your, your family may not understand it or anything, but there is the veterans crisis, um, the veterans crisis line that you can always call. Um, you know, they have, they have where you can text them. They have, you can look it up. If you don't want to do that, you have crisis lines you can call now. Yeah. If you don't feel comfortable doing that, please reach out to somebody Yeah. and, and you don't have to. And if you can't do that, find somebody or write it down in a diary, something you have to cope with it. Because if not, it's, it's a cancer. It's going to eat you alive. Yeah. And um, alcohol and, and drugs. alcohol and drugs does not help. Yeah, that's not it the may, It may temporarily numb you, but you have the VA hotline. If you can't reach out to that, you have these other hotlines that you can call anonymously and talk to them. And whatever you do, your life is not hopeless. Because you may be that strength for the next person who thought their life was hopeless. I think that's a damn good message. And um, I saw what it did to my mom. And she didn't know how to fight back. And I couldn't be here because I was in the military when this happened. She still struggles. I still struggle. People struggle. I know people. You don't overcome it. You get past it. You take it as strength. And that's for males or females, either one. If, if this has happened to you, if it's PTSD, if it's MST, if you're not even sure if it's MST because somebody slapped you on the butt, if that traumatized you, that's a trauma. And you're never weak because this is how they start praying. They start off on something easy. Yeah, they, push, they, they, gain, they keep pushing the And line. they keep pushing it. And that's what happens with children too yeah. is they're groomed. And this was a grooming situation for me that started. And I don't know if he knew that I was weak. I think I'd mentioned to him that I had been sexually harassed. So this was a situation. He was testing the waters and seeing yes. what he can get away with. Yes. Well, Lady D, wow. I that, want you to put up on your podcast, if you can, these lines. I'll send them to you, the, the emails, the hotlines and stuff. So I will. You will. Yeah, we will when we, when we yeah, get done absolutely. recording. But I want to say... Um, Thank you for sharing your story. I know this was kind of hard. I know, well, it definitely was hard for you to do, staying up all night, worrying about this, thinking about the story. Um, I appreciate you helping, helping help other people and, and get on, an, on a platform that we can, you know, help other people with and everything as well. Yeah. Obviously, you know how near and dear uh, pedophilia, uh, sex abuse, rape, all those type of cases, how, how, they, how they make me feel. And how I'm just tired of sitting on the sidelines and, and I want to do something proactive. 
So thank you for helping be a part of something like this. Oh, no problem. So we can we can try to you know help save somebody in right. the future, right? I mean, right. If, if if I can save one person, this was all worth it, right? Right. And so, thank you. Bottom of my heart, love thank you. you. Love you guys and, too. Uh, everybody, y'all stay tuned. We'll have more interviews coming up uh, over the next couple of weeks. And uh, just remember, keep your kids safe, keep your family safe. Uh, if you see something, say something, and just uh, keep tuning in. Thank you, guys. Be blessed. Bye.